Good morning, everyone. A very warm welcome to everyone, uh, especially if this is your first time joining us. You're really more, we are glad to have you here this morning. Uh, for those who don't know me, my, my name is Clem. Uh, this morning, Christ, Christine and the band will be leading us through the worship. Uh, Nathan is going to continue uh, teaching uh, into the new series about uh, finding balance in life. Um, Rob is the um, responsible elder. I'm sorry this morning, it will seem like we're really a hern loaded this morning, uh, but it's fine. Uh, we're happy to go ahead. So um, if you have any contributions, please uh, come to the front to talk to Rob or myself. And we will find time to um, share what you have to bring to us, to bless us as a church and as uh, individuals. Um, parents or those who have children, hopefully you have registered your children by the foyer. But if you haven't, please do make sure that happens. Um, thank you very much. Christine. In Romans chapter 5, Paul writes this. When we were utterly helpless, Christ came at just the right time and died for us sinners. God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. And since we have been made right in God's sight by the blood of Christ, he will certainly save us from God's condemnation. So let's stand and rejoice in that, that we have been restored to a relationship with God through the precious blood of Jesus.
don't know whether any of the children have noticed, but down on the floor over there, there's some noisy things. Rhythm instruments, maybe. If you'd like to go and grab one and make some noise during <coughs> our next couple of songs, then uh, feel free. And uh, Sue's going to come uh, more towards the middle as she does her signing for the next song. Thanks, Sue.
thank you that we can trust you, that if we follow you, you will guide us always. Thank you that you died for us to rebuild our relationship with you. Thank you, Father. time for the children to go now if you could if you've got instruments perhaps you could bring them back and put them in the box that'd be great let's pray for them father we thank you we thank you for these children and young people and we ask that this morning they will know your love they will experience you your spirit will come and touch their hearts may they have a really joyful peaceful time Thank you, Lord. Amen.
Lord, my soul is released. My troubles are released. You have the power to affect everything in my life. You are awesome, almighty God. I lift my hands. I lift my heart. I lift my voice. Lord, thank you that you give me peace and you free me from everything. I'm just reminded, as I was back there singing, we're singing about Jesus. We're singing about what he's done. And I was just reminded of the simplicity of the gospel. And I was just reminded, if you go to the beach, you see loads of children digging sandcastles or making big pits or barricades to stop the sea or whatever they're doing. And then as they leave and as the tide comes in, it washes it clean away. They don't do it. The tide does it. Gone. Completely gone. And I was just reminded that uh, it says in the Bible, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. It is as simple as confessing our sins because Jesus paid the price at the cross. We don't have to work at it. We confess our sins and he forgives us. And I felt it was just a, a reminder, all that we've been singing, even that tongue and interpretation, Jesus has done it all for us. You know, we live in the good of that. Let's not be caught up by the devil saying, oh, you, you've done something bad, you can't come into the presence of God. Confess your sin and he forgives it. That is the truth this morning for each of us. And let's just pray that. Lord, we thank you for this absolutely incredible sacrifice for each one of us. That you, Father God, sent your son, Jesus, to die for us. That as we confess our sins, as we accept him as Lord and Savior, our sins are gone and we are accepted children in your family. Lord, I pray for anyone here who's struggling with that at this time. Maybe they've never made that step, that initial step of receiving you, Jesus, of confessing their sins. Lord, I pray right now, if there's anyone here in this place, they would just know the clarity and the truth of the gospel of your salvation, Lord, and be able to make that step of faith and receive you, Lord Jesus. Simple step of saying, I want to receive you, Lord Jesus, forgive my sin, I am yours. But for each of us, as we struggle with life day to day, help us, Lord, to remember that we are saved by grace, not by our own actions. And help us to live as children of the living God. Amen.
thank you, Christine and the band. Uh, isn't it great? We have a God who loves us amazingly. Uh, we don't deserve his grace, but he's there. He loves us and ready to help us and lead us uh, when we accept his call or his leading. Um, thank you for that. And earlier on, for those who didn't know, Andrew actually bring a tongue and um, Sean and Mark were able to bring the interpretation that there is for, for us actually to be able to understand what Andrew was saying so we can be built and strengthened in our faith journey. We can receive what the Lord has for us. And um, we, I'll ask Matthew now to come and um, bring us the teaching. Wonderful. Good morning, everyone. It's good to be together this morning. Last Sunday, Andrew kicked off a new series for us uh, that we've called Balance. And I don't know about you, um, uh, how's your balance? What's it like? Anyone got good, really good balance? Anyone got really... No one's got really good... Anyone got really good balance? Anyone done a tightrope before? No, no. Oh, there we go. We're people without balance. How about that? As a result of the last two years, we've all got into habits, uh, maybe reactions or coping mechanisms and other ways of handling the pressures and the circumstances in front of us, whether known to us or not. And through this series called Balance, we want to look at some of the pressures, some of the questions or issues facing us as we re-engage both with each other uh, and with God. Lost myself in my notes already. Here we go. That's good, isn't it? So we felt that it would be good to look at these different areas from a godly aspect of going, how do we gain a healthy, godly balance to our lives with all of the pressures, everything coming at us at once? And I found it so helpful last week as Andrew had that table with the pile of rocks as he struggled to balance them up on top of each other. I found it such a helpful image, though, of just how we can put all these different things on in life, how we can try and balance all these different areas and how they just fall apart, they crumble uh, apart. How do we balance work or school, family, church, friendships, the past, the future, Stress and anxiety, relationship with God, relationship with others. There's so much that it can sometimes feel just overwhelming of how do we get it all right? How do we achieve it all well? And what we're trying to build just feels like it just tumbles away. Or we end up focusing so much on one particular area that we neglect everything else in our life. How do we gain a healthy balance in life? And if you weren't around last Sunday, I'd really recommend that you have a listen uh, to that talk. It's not currently up on the website. It will be soon, but you can find it on the Harvest Church Family Facebook group uh, right now. And if you don't have access to that, then uh, let us know and we'd love to get you involved in that. I wonder when you think of the word hospitality, what comes to mind? Perhaps you think of a special event where you get treated or a, a a good restaurant or food. I had the privilege a couple of months ago, it was my dad's 70th, and uh, my brother was moving off to Canada, and so we went up to watch the mighty Spurs, the mighty Tottenham, 
And me and my two brothers, we, uh, we support Tottenham. And my dad somehow managed to, just to support Chelsea. I don't know where that went, happened and where that went wrong along the way. Um, but we, so we went and watched Tottenham versus Chelsea. And uh, we got hospitality tickets. It was a special treat. We got a free program. Oh, yes. We got a free brownie. Oh, yes. We got a free drink and a free meal. But the best of all was a cushioned seat. Oh, it's beautiful, glorious. Maybe that's what you think of when it comes to hospitality, a good service. The Bible has a lot to say on being hospitable, on how hospitality in our lives has the potential for God's kingdom and gospel advance, how it's an important part of discipleship and of loving those around us. But for many of us, even the thought of hospitality, even the thought of maybe even having someone round to our house to cook them a meal or, or something like that, can feel like a big pressure. How could I possibly think of having someone round from our house for a meal? Or perhaps it's just unimportant to us. Or something that just gets put to the bottom of the pot. Well, we'll think about inviting that person or those people. Yeah, we'll, we'll get round to it eventually. How do we balance being hospitable in this season right now. And today I'm going to particularly focus on our homes as a tool. But to be hospitable, it, it doesn't just mean about having people into our homes. It's an attitude. It's an attitude. For some, it is really more beneficial, uh, actually, not just to have people in our homes, but to take people out, to be outside of our homes, maybe to take people out for a coffee or a walk or, or a meal. But let's all look to have a heart that desires to be hospitable. And let me also encourage our young people that this is for you too. Whether to invite people around to your home and to a part of your family meals, or having the heart of being hospitable, looking out for the strangers, we'll look at in a little bit of time. But before we get there, I just want to rewind slightly. You might be thinking, oh no, how far is Nathan going to go this week? Back to Genesis, no, no, but not back to Genesis. I just want to look at the last two years in order that we understand where we are at right now and how some of us might be feeling right now and where I believe we're called to be as a church. Now, I'm aware that COVID, obviously, it still exists and we're learning to live with it. And some of us in this room will have been massively affected by it and the loss of friends and family and others, not so much. But here's a timeline that we're going to put up of the last two years. Maybe it will bring back some memories. 23rd of March, 2020, the Prime Minister announces a lockdown in the UK, ordering people to stay home following encouragement before that to stop non-essential contact. A few months later, 4th of July, two households could meet indoors together, but keep the two-meter distance apart from each other. Is it stirring, bringing back memories already? 14th of September, the rule of six came into force. You could gather indoors up to six people, and you could, but you had to keep the two-meter distance rule or one meter plus if wearing a face mask. 5th of November, 2020, second national lockdown begins. 6th of January, 2021, third national lockdown begins. I can't remember quite where it stopped in the middle. 17th of May, 2021, rule of six or two households reintroduced again. Plus, you can now hug someone not from your household. I don't know what an occasion that was. But encouraged to exercise caution. 19th of July, 
2021. Most legal limits on social contact removed. 10th of December, face masks become compulsory again in most indoor venues. 27th of January, compulsory face masks removed. And 1st of April, just the first of the last month, just a month, one month ago, free mass testing now unavailable, and, but people were asked to exercise personal responsibility. You might be thinking, Nathan, why on earth have you just dragged up the last two years again? Because of this. When you look back at the last two years, all that we've gone through in large periods of time where we've had to keep our homes shut to others, we've had to balance the fear of COVID and, and what we've been told about with faith and responsibility. Now, just stay with me for a moment, because some of us might be going backwards and thinking about memories and, and thinking about other things. Just stay with it, because this bit's really important, okay? The result of the last two years and all we've been through together could be the following. Firstly, some of us won't have had anyone in our homes for the last two years. Or perhaps we can count the number of people that have come into our homes with two hands. Secondly, for many of us, we've had to pick and choose carefully at times who came into our homes. Thirdly, when people did come in, we were told to keep our distance and there was plenty of awkwardness about personal space. I don't know if you remember that. Fourthly, those who have come into our homes are more likely to have been close family or friends, meaning only people like us come into our homes, people that we know and trust. Whatever your opinion or experience through the last two COVID years, the implications of the rules of COVID and the fear of COVID has meant that we're a lot more cautious as a people having people into our homes. And more than that, who comes into our homes? Are they vaccinated? Are they not? Have they tested? Have they not? And as a result of the way we care for others around us, it's been lessened through this season. And so with that in mind, the question of being hospitable is actually very relevant. Working out how do we balance in our lives on the back of the last two years, the, the thinking of being hospitable should be a question for all of us. And so what does God say about being hospitable? What does the Bible say and how do we go about working it out together? If you've got a Bible, let's turn to Luke chapter 10. Luke chapter 10 Verses 25 to 37. It should come up on the screen. Apologies if it is too small. I might have gone a bit too small there. Apologies. Luke chapter 10, verses 25. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he said, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, Jesus replied. How do you read it? He answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind. And love your neighbor as yourself. You have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself. So he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him and went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road. And when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too a Levite, when he came to that place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was. And when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. Then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn and took care of him. 
The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of the robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Jesus told him, go and do likewise. And then just go forward a little bit to Romans chapter 12. Romans chapter 12 We'll read from verse 9. Love must be sincere. Hate what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another in love. Honor one another above yourselves. Never be lacking in zeal, but keep your spiritual fervor. Serve in the Lord. Be joyful in hope. Patient in affliction. Faithful in prayer. Share with the Lord's people who are in need. Practice hospitality. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for who you are. We thank you that you are good, that you're a God of love. Thank you for the mercy that we've already sung about this morning. Thank you for the blood of Jesus shed for us on the cross. Thank you that we are forgiven and free. Thank you that you're here with us now. And we just pray, Lord, as we spend these moments together looking at these Bible verses. God, we pray that you come and speak to us. We pray, Holy Spirit, come and unlock our hearts to, to hear from you. That, God, we would hear your voice above all other voices, above all other distractions going on around us, that we'd hear your voice to us. Speak to each of us, Lord, as individuals, and speak to us as a church, we pray, that we would live for you and honor you. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Two very interesting Bible passages of what many we could have chosen uh, on hospitality in the Bible. God clearly, if you read the Bible, he clearly cares about hospitality. But what exactly is it? What are we talking about? Well, the dictionary defines it as this. The friendly reception and treatment of guests or strangers. Guests and strangers. That's an interesting term, isn't it? To receive guests and strangers with respect, with dignity, with generosity, with love. It's one to do, a thing to do it for some guests, maybe our friends and family, but to offer a friendly reception to strangers as well. That's quite an, interest, uh, an increase of a task. I would argue that the Bible, uh, the biblical view of hospitality is so much more, though, than a friendly reception. It's to share of what we have with others, to welcome people into our homes and into our hearts. Being hospitable isn't just for the leaders of a church or, or for those who may seem more mature in faith. I love in how this parable that Jesus tells, he picks in his story the role of the priest and the Levite. These two roles of religious leader and respected worship leader were highly thought of. Status came with these roles, and yet both of them carried on past, ignoring the man who was injured. It was unthought of that an enemy of those listening to the parable, a Samaritan, would stop and take care of that man who treated him like family, like one of his own. It could be easy for us to think about being hospitable. This is for church leaders only. They're the ones who should welcome people into their homes and yes, absolutely, they and we should. It's listed as one of the qualifications of an elder in the New Testament. Be hospitable. 
or those maybe we see appear up on a stage on a Sunday, yet they should be hospitable. They're the ones who are seen. They should be the ones welcoming people around to their homes, worship leaders, musicians, hosts, maybe those who bring the prophetic regularly. They should be the ones who bring, have people around to their homes. They should be the ones who are hospitable. But Jesus tells us from this parable that God's desire is that each of his disciples, each of us, in our love for him, and as our following of Jesus would be hospitable, that we would care for the needs of those around us, that we would be generous with what we have. This is an every disciple thing, not a specific disciple. It's all of us. Christians are a people who should be the most welcoming and hospitable of strangers. Why? Because we've experienced that. We've experienced such great and lavish love from God. When, we, when he was still a stranger to us, he welcomed us. He drew us in. When we were still sinners, God stepped in and gave us his son Jesus as the greatest gift to die in our place. Christians were strangers, but have been received by God, made daughters and sons, heirs. So being hospitable is something we should look to replicate it's something our Father in heaven does with us, and so we want to do it for him as well. As we've received from God, so let us give out to others. It shows the heart of the gospel, of grace, of mercy, of kindness, of generosity, of love. And in those verses that we read in Romans 12, they followed on nicely from what Andrew brought last week at the start of Romans 12. In verses 12 to 13, Paul lists a number of ways our lives should start to look like once we've let the gospel grab a hold of our hearts. What is it? Can we put the list up, Rossi? Be joyful in hope, patient in affliction, faithful in prayer, share with the Lord's people who are in need, and finally, practice hospitality. It's kind of like a funny one to add on at the end, isn't it? You're kind of like, well, where's that come from? Practice hospitality. The Greek words, not very good with my Greek but the Greek word for the practice given here is, go with me, dioko, which means to pursue, to run after. I just felt that it's so much fuller than just practice. No, no, no. Run after hospitality. Run after. Pursue it. Paul's encouraging us as believers that being hospitable is something we should run after and pursue to be intentional about doing, to spend time on in our lives, to prioritize. It's not to be neglected or think, that's for someone else, not me. And so with that in mind, I want to encourage us this morning towards three outworkings of being and practicing, pursuing, running after, being hospitable. Firstly, practice being hospitable to each other. Secondly, practice being hospitable to strangers. And thirdly, practice being hospitable for the gospel. I'm going to go into a bit more depth, don't worry. You thought I was going to finish there, didn't you? No, 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 we're not. Firstly, practice being hospitable to each other. We have the opportunity to love each other and care for each other's needs. Inviting each other over to share our homes and lives with is an act of love and of grace. Sharing meals in our homes together creates room for sharing real-life experience and genuine relationships. It's not just about giving 
someone or people a meal, although for some this is a huge blessing. And when I'm talking about a meal, I'm not saying we need to put on the biggest roast dinner we can or like a five-course meal. Soup and bread. You know, it's not about being impressive. This is about sharing life together. That's the heart behind this. This isn't about trying to impress. It's about trying to care. It's an act of sharing our lives together and providing a safe place for each other. However, the danger is that if we only invite and spend time with people like ourselves, people who look the same, in the same stage of life, or who bring comfort to us. Let me challenge us as a people this morning who are are people who expand the breadth of the people who are welcomed into our homes and into our lives. Just a side point again, it doesn't have to be our homes. It could be sharing a walk with someone, taking someone out for coffee. But I think I'm emphasizing here about homes because there is something so unique about our homes, so authentic, so real about inviting people into our homes. It's so personal. It can be a beautiful place to invite people into. Can I add a particular challenge to us this morning? When was the last time that you invited someone to your home or of a different generation, color, or nationality to you? If we're to be a multicultural church that enjoys and expresses the different colors amongst us, the different languages, the different cultural backgrounds, the different ages, and the full diversity amongst us, a lot of that will come from enjoying and growing friendship within each other's homes. Secondly, practice being hospitable to strangers. I heard this week of a couple in our church who intentionally encourage walkers-by and children to come and sit on the end of their front garden on a sleeper at the front of their garden. They, they were encouraged to feel free to walk along it, to climb on it. And they once put strawberry plants there for people to come and pick and eat too. What a creative and wonderful idea of t- providing for strangers just walking on past or providing a welcoming reception, a friendly reception. This parable we read of speaks into the heart of God to provide love, support, and mercy for the stranger, for the foreigner, for the outsider. I'm so encouraged to hear amongst us here in this church of people who are offering up their homes for Ukrainian refugees to come, of of that happening across the churches in Alton as well. It's brilliant. It's wonderful. Hospitality in the original Greek of the Bible comes from a compound of love and stranger. So hospitality in its origin is literally love for the outsider. I wonder what that looks like for our teenagers at school. What does love for the outsider look for for you? I remember at school being aware of, uh, in one class, this particular boy who was just so isolated and no one ever talked to. And I felt God say, talk to him. Speak to him. Befriend him. I remember just doing that and just knowing something of God's blessing and heart in that. No one else did. But that's what we're called to do. As believers, we're called to look after and reach out to the outsider. We never know what's going to happen through it. Hebrews 13, verses 1 to 2 says, Let brotherly love continue. Don't neglect to show hospitality, for by doing this, some have welcomed angels as guests without knowing it. We never know the impact of who we might be welcoming into our homes and caring for. As we were once strangers 
with God. Now we've been welcomed in. Let's love strangers in the same way. Finally, number three, practice being hospitable for the gospel. David Mathis, an author and blog writer for DesiringGod.org, writes this. In a progressively post-Christian society, the importance of hospitality as an evangelistic asset is growing rapidly. Increasingly, the most strategic turf on which to engage the unbelieving with the good news of Jesus may be the turf of our own homes. When people don't gather in droves for stadium crusades or tarry long enough on the sidewalk to hear your gospel spiel, what will you do? Where will you interact with the unbelieving about the things that matter most? Invite them to dinner. In the culture and season that we live in right now, our willingness to open our homes to our neighbors, to our work colleagues, to strangers and friends will create opportunities for the gospel. My wife, Jules, is particularly good at this. She invites other mums that she meets and that she spends time with and their babies and children over, and they're invited over through friendship, but we have the privilege of having them as our guests in our home. They get to see what's on our walls. They get to see the atmosphere in our home. They, They get to see the way that we interact, both good and bad, with our children, what we spend our money on, how we mess up. And work it through. It's an incredible witnessing moment. And you might not feel like you're a gifted evangelist. I don't. But inviting people into our homes has the potential to sow seeds for the gospel. Of love. Of care. Of intentionality. Of grace and generosity into the hearts of those that we invite. And it's one we're all called to pursue. To run after. As we draw towards a close... I'd like to give a few practical challenges to each of us this morning, including myself. One or more of them, I hope that we can take up and say, yes, I want to apply that particular one. Firstly, who of a different color, nationality, culture, or generation could you pursue being hospitable with? Secondly, if you're married, is there a single person that you could invite around? And if you're single... Is there a married couple you could practice hospitality with? Thirdly, who of your neighbors, work colleagues, or not yet believers you interact with might benefit from time with you? Just let that sink in for a moment. Who might really benefit from time with you? Not me from them, although I'm sure that will happen. Who will really benefit? Maybe someone's just coming into your mind right now. They would really benefit. Fourthly, is my home used for me or the kingdom of God? (laughs) Yeah, so much of my home is used for me. Is my home used for me or the kingdom of God? Don't be condemned by that. Take it as a challenge. Take it as something that the Spirit wants to release in us and, and change in us. Fifthly, at the start of the next month, we have the big jubilee lunch initiative where in celebration of the queen's 70 amazing years of service there's an encouragement for building community and that on that weekend everyone would have lunch or food or a meal with someone else that no one would go alone on that weekend and so we're not going to have a church meeting on sunday the 5th of june because we want to encourage each and every one of us to spend time with others that we would be 
taking initiative to invite people into our homes or doing something along our streets and roads that we live on to spend time with our local community or to enjoy a meal with them. What could you organize or who could you invite? It, it doesn't have to be a, a list. Of, it could just be one person. Could you do something for your road or with your life group? To finish, let me read a quote from theologian John Piper. I found this so encouraging. He says this, Strategic hospitality asks, How can I draw the most people into a deep experience of God's hospitality by the use of my home? Who are the people who could be brought together in my home most strategically for the sake of the kingdom? Strategic hospitality is not content to just have the old clan over for dinner again and again. It strategizes how to make the hospitality of God known and felt all over the world. Don't ever underestimate the power of your living room as a launching pad for new life and hope and ministry and mission. Let's pray. Father, we come to you again and we just say thank you. Thank you, Lord God, that you have welcomed us as strangers, that you welcomed us. Even when we were far off, you welcomed us. You chose to show us love and mercy and grace. You chose to draw us near to yourself. And we're so grateful, Lord. We're so grateful. Thank you, Lord. Thank you that you've changed us and you've turned our lives around, Lord God. Thank you that we're made sons and daughters, heirs. That you've adopted us into your family. That everything you have, you've given to us. Thank you, Lord. We praise you. We worship you. You're a good, good father. And God, our heart is that the strangers and the people that you've placed around us would be impacted by that same love as well. God, as we've received, oh God, we pray that those around us would receive as well. And I pray, Lord God, for each of us in this room, I pray for each of our friends and our brothers and sisters in Christ uh, elsewhere as well this morning. I pray, God, as a church, we would be all that you've called us to be in, in loving the stranger, in loving each other, in caring for each other, in being hospitable, in pursuing, in, in running after it that we would draw people ultimately into your kingdom through our homes and through our lives. We, we give ourselves to you afresh this morning, Lord. Say, use us, Lord. Use us. Use us to build your kingdom. Use us to bless those people that you've placed around us. In Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Thank you, Nathan. What a challenge. If we can only pick up at least one aspect of those uh, points Nathan mentioned uh, of uh, practicalities, that would really be good. Um, we're nearing the end of our service. Um, thank you for being with us this morning. And uh, it remains for me to mention there is the Alpha course um, starting on the 9th of May here at the Malting uh, from uh, 1 to 2.30 during the day. Obviously, we have a week to go, and if you 
are interested in inviting friends or wanting to have a package information on the actual course, uh, please do contact um, Mari or Helen Coates for information. Um, so that'll be good. So, as I said, it's a week to go from today. And parents, please do pick up your children uh, as soon as we finish. Um, refreshments is being served in a cafe area. You're more than welcome to go and... Yeah, sorry. Oh, yes. Sorry about that. I don't know if everybody heard that. Children, please, to be picked up from quarter to 12. Thank you. The change of time, my brain can't connect. <laughs> uh, yes, so um, thank you. Other than that, uh, please do chat and do whatever. And that's the end of our service this morning. Thank you.